great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Great Events podcast. I hope you are having a fabulous week so far. My name is Alyssa, and I will be your host for today's episode. Today, I am joined by three new voices you have not already heard on our podcast. We are super excited about this week's episode. First, I'd like to introduce you to a couple of C-Venters that we have here on the podcast Emily Dick, she is a leader on our demand generation team here at Cvent, and she is joining our podcast from Vancouver. Emily, super excited to have you. Thank you. And then we also have Carissa Bartlett. She is a newer leader on our product marketing team here. Carissa, keep me honest here. Have you been at Cvent a year yet? Not quite. I'm getting there though. Just getting there. Just growing into the one-year-old shoes. She is based out of Wisconsin, also a C-Venter, like I mentioned. So really, really excited to be joined and flanked by my fellow Bleed Bluers over here. But I will say that the main event for this podcast is a, a super special guest that we have, Daryl Alfonso. He is the head of global marketing operations for Amazon Web Services. Many of you guys know it as AWS. But super, super excited to have Daryl. He's got some news to share with the audience. We're also going to talk about MarTech strategy, event tech strategy. I think this will be a great conversation going into the 2023 planning and you know what we should prioritize when it comes to MarTech and event tech. Just a little bit of background about Daryl just before we get this conversation really going. Daryl is ranked as one of the top marketers in the US by Propolis. Am I saying that right, Daryl? Mm-hmm. Propolis in the 2022 ranking, so kind of a big deal. He's named one of the top MarTech marketers to follow. That was in 2020 by MarTech Alliance. He's been a keynote speaker for MarTech Conference and Get Stacked B2B marketing conferences in 2021. He has a slew of other marketing accolades, which are all listed on his LinkedIn profile. If you'd like to look that up, Daryl Alfonso is his handle. But his latest in his impressive resume is that he is, like I said, the head of global marketing operations for Amazon Web Services. So, Daryl, I'd love to just start the conversation with you. You can tell us a little bit more about what you do at Amazon Web Services. And then we can start with some questions for you and get the conversation really going. I have been working in the MarTech and sort of marketing operations space for 15 plus years now all across startups, mid-sized companies, and now at this mega enterprise at AWS. I am really fascinated by this industry. I think that both MarTech and marketing operations can be a real big differentiator for any business. I think that marketing operations folks are typically behind the scenes. I think that's rapidly changing. I think that they are exposed to different areas of the business. And if you get marketing operations right, you can drive fantastic business results. Um, so that's my sort of point of view. The team that I run at AWS is a central marketing operations team. The way I like to think about it is our goal is to empower the thousands of marketers that work with our technology to create exceptional digital experiences for our customers. And that's across multiple channels, including events. So I'm excited to have this conversation with event marketing experts and strategists. 
Thanks, Daryl. I think that's a lovely little introduction here. So I did want to call out because we're going to run this podcast a little bit different than what we usually do. I'm usually one who asks all the questions. I like to take all the air out of the room as the host. Clearly, I like to talk a lot. But we've brought Carissa and Emily onto the podcast this week because not only are they excellent marketers for Seabent's marketing organization, but they are somewhat of super fans of Daryl's. And I really want them to be able to ask some of those questions, fan to their hero, right? So I'm going to start this conversation uh, by passing the mic, proverbial mic, to Emily to talk about some of the major trending topics that we see within the MarTech space and just kind of you guys can spar it all out together. I want to take this back a little bit to get started here and think about like the evolution of marketing operations. I mean, I only had my first marketing operations title or team 10 years ago, actually not even 10 years ago, it was 2013 when I first heard, I mean, I was doing what marketing operations is before that. So where did the evolution of marketing operations in your career come about, Daryl? Just to make a comment on sort of the profession itself, you really have seen from the beginning where marketing ops are sort of just the people that execute the campaigns, mainly mainly and, and manage the systems, to now moving into this new era where they are responsible for, I think, five different areas of the business. And that is one, planning and strategy, two, technology management, which is the MarTech stack, three, support administration and sort of business alignment, four, process design and optimization. So like, how do you get campaigns out the door? How do teams work together with each other? And then finally, business reporting and analytics. So those five functions, I think the modern marketing ops team is is responsible for. And there's a couple of reasons why it evolved that way. One is, Marketing has become increasingly digital. So the importance of the MarTech stack and the tools and platforms we use have really kind of rose to the surface as some of the number one things a marketing team needs to get right. And the team that manages that is the marketing ops team. And then two, I think that, and you could probably attest to this, Emily, as you grow in your marketing ops career, you find that you need to go much beyond, much further beyond the tech to actually get things done, to actually get people to work together, to make it so that, hey, we're not just clicking send on email campaigns, but we're involved in the bigger strategy. So I think of my career evolution as very much that, wanting to make bigger and bigger of an impact and stepping outside of just the technology and the operations itself to drive that impact. Yeah, it used to be just like, okay, you're the admin for Marketo or Salesforce or then what the millions of other tech that seemed to get layered on and trying to navigate all those tech. Sometimes I would have sales teams purchase technology and it would just sit there because it wasn't properly procured or thought through or utilized. So so having a team that thinks about these things beyond just, I don't know, like having a checkbox for technology. I think marketing apps is really like the glue that keeps all the different marketing functions together and the marketing strategy aligned, especially now where more than ever, there's just more ways to communicate to customers and prospects, right? And who owns and how do you have oversight to see all those messages and all those tactics and all that stuff going out to put the customer first to really understand what their experience is and how they're feeling that buying cycle. And I think that's one of the greatest things about marketing apps and the things that 
your tech stack supports, right? What that cycle is and maintaining a consistent and strong message. So you're not bombarding people. And really, you're the only team that has that 360 degree view, right? So you could only be that. So I think that's a really interesting seat that you've got. And now the power and strategy and control is in your hands, as opposed to just very much like you were saying, Daryl, it was a very tactical job before where it was, we want you to do X. Now it's, you can make recommendations, you can be more strategic in that approach. Emily, I'll let you ask the next question. We talked about a bit of like the evolution of the marketing operations team. And I don't know, I just wanted to ask you, like, who influenced your career in how you've kind of gone from like startups to now this this enterprise organization. So was it some of the marketing operations folks that we've seen come through some of those leaders or was it a specific manager? I'm just, I'm curious what, what led you there if there was anyone influential. I wouldn't say it was so much of a who, but I met a lot of great mentors in my time, but it's more of as you work, you start to realize what you like and what you don't and then where your strengths are. And, and I, I'm a big believer that's an important part of sort of self-discovery. You know, you need to figure out what you really are interested in doing because that lets you get to the tops of your potential. I remember, you know, working in startups, which I'm a big proponent of since you get to wear so many hats and you get to really see this real understanding, like a tangible understanding of what's important and what's not. I think that, that, that that's a great part about working in a startup. But I remember sitting in these marketing meeting discussions and we were talking about website design and brand and for me it was just hey do you guys like this color or do you like this color is it blue is it teal and then i would just sit there and then just sort of zone out you know what i mean and it just didn't really connect with me in the way what animal represents our brand right <laughs> <laughs> totally that is so funny because i am copy and colors marketer through and through i say it i'm like that it feels right to me but that's so funny that like to each, each his own right and do what you're passionate about yeah but then when when people started talking about well okay how are we going to actually nurture customers and convert them to leads? And what does the data look like? I think that a light bulb just kind of came on for me. And I just started to really move toward that direction. And this can be like a controversial statement sometimes, but sometimes you've got ideas and then you, got, you have the execution part. And in my mind and from my experience, it's not too tough to come up with ideas, but getting things done, especially as your organization matures and you have multiple moving parts, that's the tough part. That's the part that you really need to dig in with. And I am, you know, one of those like really practical, really like what's going on right now kind of people. So I think that that's why I gravitated toward, toward marketing ops. But I will say that I think that everyone should spend a little bit of time in startups and a little bit of time in enterprises because you have such a great understanding of one, how do you be lean? How do you be agile? How do you focus on things that really matter? And then on the enterprise, how do you work with large groups of people that you don't necessarily have authority over and then you have to exercise your influence? And it's been such a boot camp for me here at AWS. So I do recommend that people at least try the various sides. I like that recommendation. I have one other follow-up on that because I was actually recently talking to my summer intern who had to go back to Oxford. So we're trying to now figure out if we can get her back next year. And she had heard some interesting advice that she should start in a consulting company so that she could get a lot of experience. I wasn't in agreement of that. So I'm curious, thinking of startups where you get to wear many hats, 
thinking of enterprises where, yeah, you get to kind of do some specialty things. What about the consulting side? I have been actually studying this a lot deeper than usual. And I consider there to be a lot of parallels between product management and consulting. And the biggest parallel is applying frameworks and structured thinking to your problems. So I think that whether it is product, if you work in startups, right, you're going to be exposed to product a lot more, right? And then in enterprises, a lot of that's usually already done for you. And you're kind of on the receiving end of it a little bit. And you have to figure out more of the the messaging and, and the execution. But regardless of product or consulting, if you put together a framework of, okay, what's our goals? Who are our users going to be? What are some weaknesses in our plan? How are we going to fill those gaps between where we are and our goals? And then how do we continuously optimize to make our marketing better? That's just going to make you a better business professional. So I personally have not been in sort of the, the business consulting world, but right now, those are some of the books I'm reading. Those are some of the things that I'm reading because I just, I start to realize, whoa, you can really get a lot. Another really cool thing about it is you're not learning from someone else. You're sort of thinking for yourself. And that is a really cool thing where if, if you if you get a framework of who, what, when, where, and why, something like that, you're the one answering those questions. You and your customers. You're not like looking it up from a book. You're not being directed by maybe a consulting company that may not have the best intentions, right? You're thinking for yourself. And I'm just such a big proponent of thinking for yourself and finding out on your own. So you are a big spokesperson, I would say, of smart marketing, right? Quick marketing, not overthinking it, I would think. So how do you take that empowerment of like your knowledge and the learning and learning from doing and not get stuck in that cycle of overanalyzing and red tape and really taking a long time to go to market with things? I think it's hard. But one thing that I've found that's working personally for my team is... We are in execution mode most of the time, but when you set aside these regular periods for critical thinking and to sort of apply these frameworks, it can go a long way. For example, one of the things that we regularly do each month is start stop meeting. We have this meeting set aside, get the the team together and say, hey, what are the things that we're not, we're doing that may not be providing a lot of value to the organization? or that are taking up a lot of our time that we could probably delegate, outsource, or automate in some fashion. So I I don't think it's a, we have the perfect setup right now, but I do know that if you schedule, whether it's for your team or for yourself, regular periods of time to practice this structured critical thinking, um, I think that the results you'll find are really fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to start that with my team. Start, stop meetings like that. So thinking of the MarTech stack. I mean, Scott Brinker put out his stackies. I was on his, his blog yesterday going through some new findings that he's seeing with all of the MarTech stack in general and how important integrations are as, as a technology per- purchase and marketing. And that's the number one reason that someone might not choose a technology today. What are your thoughts on like the marketing tech stack structure and, and how it relates maybe to, to AWS, but perhaps even the industry? This is one of the reasons I wrote my book. I'll, I'll share some of the ways that I think and some verbal excerpts of the book. So, so here's, here's the way I think of it. I think that depending on your organization, you can apply a lean approach if you're startup and in growth mode. You can apply a best-in-class approach if you're on the other side of the spectrum, which is you're an enterprise, 
hundreds or thousands of people are relying on your technology. And then this sort of hybrid approach, which I'll kind of go into. So the first one is, let's say you don't have a big budget and you don't have a lot of people to manage your technology. I think it's perfectly fine to add on tools as needed. You know what I mean? Because you can get a, a really long way with, with just like an email tool and a website. I completely agree. From a professional who's got that marketing operations background, when I don't only a team of five people, technology was always my answer, but it's not everyone's forte. But adding on that, those pieces at the small team that I had of five, I had a larger technology stack than my previous team of 15 because we had more people to manage. So there's a resource thing that's important. And then there's just different sort of needs. So, so on the enterprise side, there's a lot of things that, and why best in class is a good choice. And by, by this, I mean like the marketing cloud providers, best in class CRM, best in class data analytics, is that the needs of the organization start to range. You start to have security be a big thing. You start to have user permissioning be a big thing. You start to have SSO is now important. Everyone needs to have SSO, where some of the other tools may not provide that. It might be a good idea to go best in class. The method that one of my favorites that I do that I articulate in my book is this idea of core platforms and then value added tools. And core platforms are the things that every marketer needs. You need a way to engage your customers. You need a way to manage the relationships and you need a way to report on everything that you're doing and then manage your work. So you can kind of start to see the, the core platforms that you'll need. And then you look bespoke for your business. You look out at the landscape and say, now, what do we want as a business to officially pursue or to create as a customer experience? And then we'll choose them from there and make those selections from there. So that's, that's one of my favorite ways and sort of recommended ways of designing your tech stack in a way that's smart. I just have to mention this real quick. A lot of marketers like to build their tech stack like they're building a set of golf clubs. Oh, like I need my seven iron and my three wood and my driver and my putter. Like, I don't know when I'll need them, but I might. Well, like even as you were explaining the core things that you need, you need something to engage. Traditionally, that's, that's exactly how I was thinking. I was like, my stack comes up like this. And then, but no, age, you, you need something to report, things like that. You didn't say... I need my CRM and my marketing operations and my data analytics. And of course, it's the things that you need to get done and work with your audience in your market. Well, it sounds like you're almost thinking in terms of universes, right? As opposed to like you just said, Emily, cobbling or picking backing on top, which then becomes unmanageable, right? Like the latest stat was 10,000 MarTech technologies out there. It's just ever growing at this point. So it, it is unmanageable if you're not thinking in terms of what do I need for my particular business. Like you said, there's so many things going on in the market now where it's like, oh, data security. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm, now I'm shopping for data security MarTech products, right? So you're just like almost overwhelmed by people trying to attack your pain points, right? Or tell you what you need. So how do you kind of like sort those out when you're scoping MarTech vendors? What are like the few questions that you say, I ask all MarTech vendors this to kind of weed out and make sure that they are a good fit for my needs? And then just to put a point on what we were just talking about, it all ties back to the thinking for yourself type thing. You would be so surprised. I talk to really smart marketing ops people, really smart MarTech people all the time. And you'll be surprised to hear things like, well, we don't do lead scoring or we don't have a CRM. You know, I ran into that the other day. One of the biggest brands that you would recognize immediately is that, oh, no, we, we don't have a CRM. We do it differently. 
And it just kind of shows you, it makes you question like, wait, where did this sort of idea come from that we need all of these things to get our job done? And you're telling me that, and this can be applied, it's kind of a rabbit hole. This can be applied like in so many different fields. Like one of the things that I always think about is like Google, for example, and like other of the large tech players actually didn't invest in social media marketing till well after the peak of it, well after the time when everyone was saying, you need to be having a social media strategy or your business is left in the dust. And you've got some of the world's best brands that just do it their way and in, in their own time. So tying kind of back to your question, Carissa, I think you need to define your needs first, and then that will start to guide you. Almost like the product management thing that we were thinking about, what are the set of product requirements that you need to do? I want my users to, when they get to a landing page, I want it to be perfectly customized to them. I want them to fill out one form and their data will be enriched. I want that information to be passed to the right salesperson in almost real time. It's like, there's nothing to do with the tech. It's all up to do of, of what you want the customer to experience. This will then give you a short list already of what solutions are available to you that can support that. And then oftentimes you probably have to mix it with your own engineering, but that's how I would start. Start with the customer experience first. I was going to say that's exactly how we think of things on our CBAN consulting side. It's this outcomes-driven approach to anything that you're doing, right? Implementing technology being that thing, as opposed to a pain point-driven approach, which you can find a pain in anything, right? And marketing, the irony in this whole thing is that marketing's doing a really good job if they're telling you that you have a pain and then you're buying something, right? So we need to be smarter than the marketing, essentially. We're all marketers on the call. So I'm sure, you know, we've all been involved in some sort of purchasing decision of different MarTech tools. And there's always this internal struggle when we have to pitch it, right? That there are so many out there and there are so many really cheap options, right? And then you've got the really like fancy versions with all the bells and whistles. So how do you make sure that you're advocating for yourself as a marketer internally to communicate the needs of you know, like this one, this off the shelf is really cost effective, but it's not going to give us the flexibility and customization we actually need to meet our own strategies and goals. And that's something I think, you know, we work really hard to advocate for and communicate, but sometimes it's just, it's just tough, especially in a space that just has so many options. And marketing is like battlefield in that when you get there to that stage, a lot of these frameworks you'll start to forget. Like there's so many things that come at you like budget or your new marketing leader has a favorite. <laughs> the sales team like won't accept anything else. And you're just like, wow, okay. Out the door goes my framework. You can't hire people if you don't have certain technology. Right, because sometimes people think like quickest implementation, best budget, like which one can I do quickly? And then you're stuck in a contract or with a product or you know, a technology that at the end of the day doesn't meet your needs and the pains and the things that you were hoping to solve. And then you got to cram it in somewhere to your existing projects and processes, which ends up then costing you more headache or time than it did before you had it. We come in with a plan. We come in with a clear way of thinking that's based on reality and based on, on data. And sometimes we have to change it. And I think that that's the nature of the job. We have to be flexible. We have to understand that we're working with multiple stakeholders. But maintaining that, hey, I'm a strategic partner, like Alyssa said, I'm a consultant and advisor here. This is how we should do it. This is how we should be thinking about it. You won't always be able to, especially in the case of the favorites, you won't always be able to win. 
But coming with the plan, I think counts for a lot. I want to bring it back to too. I, I like what you said about making sure that you're being a strategic partner to all of your stakeholders. And obviously our listeners on this podcast are majority event planners, right? So how do those people have the opportunity to advocate and step up and be strategic partners with marketing apps and people that own the tech stack, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of marketing tech and event tech that can go really seamlessly together. So what would be like piece of advice or tip that you give for those event planners out there on how to kind of work and align and be a good partner for their marketing apps? This, I think, is an alignment question. And I think that alignment and relationships are really built over time. I think that a big part of it is the planning. One problem that I think that not just event planners have, but marketers everywhere have is they don't have like a good understanding of what their roadmap looks like one, two, three years out. So then by nature, you've got this kind of reactive thing that kind of comes in, regardless if it's marketing ops or anyone, no one's really going to like this last minute. Hey, (laughs) it's Q4 coming up and I need to do this. So you need to give me technology to get that done. Yeah. I needed this yesterday, guys. You know what I mean? No one likes that. So when we talk about collaboration between marketing ops and the events team, what kind of data do you, would you like to see coming out of that channel? Or what kind of data do you know that they're tracking or would be really interested in seeing if they could capture for your team that then you could build into the bigger customer journey buying cycle strategy kind of that your team owns? So I think that the way that I look at data and metrics is like a little bit different. So the way that I think about it is that we actually capture and organize everything. And I think good marketers do this. I think you first take a look at all of your business metrics, right? You've got your revenue and your pipeline and your qualified leads and, and, and your engagement metrics across the channel. And then as you break down into different channels, you have all of the metrics that, that come into it. So, so with events, you have your awareness metrics, your conversion metrics, your registration metrics, attendee metrics, et cetera, and then everything in between, you know, how long are people engaged in the event? And then I think that you kind of take data and you look at it with a lens of the questions that you're trying to answer. So when you look at events, it's like, okay, we're now thinking about the awareness of the event first. And then that's when we start t- thinking about impressions. That's when we th- start thinking about what channels are, are being paid and organic. And then how do we optimize that spend so that you know we're having high quality eyeballs on our events. And then we move stage by stage and then the metrics change as we go down. You know what I mean? So the conversion is something you know, completely different. It's, it's the copy, the, the visuals, the testimonials on the page, the length of the form. So I look at it really as get as much data as you can from all aspects, organize it so that when you're getting ready to make these business decisions, investments, optimizations, you have that set and then you can like make it informed. Sounds like your priority is really around cataloging what's possible from all of these potential different vendors as we talk about the procurement process, right? Cvent being one of those vendors. So it's really important from the marketing ops perspective, what I'm hearing is that you want to know, what can you give me, right? What's possible? How much, what's the totality of everything that comes with this provider? But then it's really on your end where you're trying to catalog that and rationalize that across your business needs. 
at particular stages or whatever that that outcome is. So that's really interesting. I like the way you put it. And it's worth mentioning that if you don't have the basics down, meaning you, you can't capture some of that information, that's a different story. And that, that should play into your vendor evaluation. If a vendor doesn't have what you need, then yeah, that's a different story. All right, Daryl, I feel like we could talk to you all day. Carissa and Emily, I really appreciate all these questions. I do want to give you a soapbox of sorts to talk about this amazing book that you alluded to so humbly before. Daryl just released a book called The MarTech Handbook, Building a Technology Stack to Attract and Retain Customers that's now available to all of our listeners and the world. So Daryl, I would love to just hear a little bit more, a one to two minute conversation on this amazing book that you just wrote and released. Thank you. And and thank you for, for giving me the platform to do so. I'm really excited about it. MarTech can be overwhelming. There's eight to 10,000 tools out there. And especially for a new marketer, you're setting out to sale, for example, and then you just have this sea of decisions that you have to make. So I, I wanted to bring some formalization and some clarity and some tips to, to those people. One other thing that I think too, that, that is really important it's called a handbook. I really wrote it to be that handbook slash field guide that you know a marketer could have on the side of their desk as they're sort of going through the several different challenges that, they, that they'll undoubtedly face when making MarTech strategy and, and creating an effective tech stack. I'll just call out probably the key things that I think MarTech and marketers all over the world need to avoid. And it's really not having this sort of outcome strategy-driven approach to selecting their MarTech. Again, don't set up your MarTech like a set of golf clubs. You want your MarTech stack to be bespoke for your organization based on your needs and your customer. And there's a framework of structured thinking that you need to apply when you're doing that. There's the pitfalls like shiny object syndrome, right? Buying the new tools because it's flashy and it's, and it's interesting. That's a big pitfall. Underutilization, meaning you have a bunch of tools that you don't use. Many of us have been in that place too. So those are kind of the challenges that I, I, I hope the book addresses really well for marketers to, to have. And um, it will give them those sort of tools and thinking tools they need to, to do their work better. I'm really excited about it. It's available uh, wherever books are sold. I was going to say, dare I say Amazon? <laughs> yeah, I was like, where to find it? There for sure. So Daryl, like on just like behalf of like marketing professionals and marketing ops professionals, thanks for writing this because going back to that, that first uh, question that we talked about, like what got you into this role and what do you think of marketing ops? And not only do I personally love it, but I love all the people I've met in the industry and it's the people and community, in my opinion, that is me. We built it. And I think this is another stepping stone in getting that marketing operations footprint and making it a career that I think a lot of people are going to go into because of uh, folks like you, Daryl. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I would just say to each of you and then to the listeners too, I think that if you have expertise and if you have passion or a point of view on something, I encourage you to, to write about it, teach it, do podcasts like this because you know there are marketers just getting started out that don't know these things. We take a lot of this information for granted. And I would have loved a resource like this years ago. I would have loved listening to podcasts like this years ago. Keep up the great work with the podcast. And then for everyone out there, I really recommend you get into to, to teaching, to writing. It's so fulfilling. And it also makes you better too, as a professional. So that, that would be my advice. 
Thank you so much for joining. Congratulations on writing and releasing this book. I think it's phenomenal. Again, I'm leaving this kind of reinvigorated with my own career. We had very interesting conversation around copy and colors earlier in this dialogue. But I hope that those that are listening that are a little bit more on, let's say, the event professional side of the house, maybe you're not more as, let's say, quote unquote, technology focused, that you took some um, really valuable takeaways, whether it is collaborating with your marketing operations team or thinking a little bit more like a technical professional. There's a lot to be learned from this episode. So I cannot thank you enough for joining us. Carissa and Emily, I hope you guys join me again because I know where you live. (laughs) But I'd love to have you guys join. Listeners, we hope you feel the same way uh, and found some of that inspiration or just those simple takeaways to help you better leverage that technology across your organization. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by CBUNK. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.